My message today is entitled, An Open Door. I believe this is the ninth message in our series in Revelation. I hope you have enjoyed it. I want to begin with Revelations chapter 3, verse 7. It says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia writes, These things says he who is holy and he who is true, he who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. This is the sixth letter. Remember there were seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor that begin the revelation to John. Again, we see Jesus introducing Himself as the one bringing this message. We know it's not just an angel, it's Jesus. And He uses these identifiers to let you know who He is and why those identifiers are important to this particular church and message. The qualifiers He uses this time highlight a key and the fact that He opens what no one can shut and He shuts what no one can open. Though many biblical scholars have shared a variety of perspectives as to what this refers to, we will use the context, as we're supposed to always use, to read these in context, given to this, in this letter to reveal clues to its meaning. What door is he talking about to this church in Philadelphia? One element of significance in context is the location of this church. It is the church in Philadelphia, which is in Asia Minor, which is today in modern-day Turkey. And the city of Philadelphia was on an important trade route. This is significant for a few reasons. First of all, the name Philadelphia means, who knows? Brotherly love, right? It means to love one like a brother, like a sister. Or the city of brotherly love. This indicates that Christians in this church truly loved one another as brothers and sisters. They exemplified this authentic love of Jesus that all Christians and all churches talk about, but truly, very few indeed, actually practice and live this out daily without exception. For some churches are spend so much time on doctrine and so much time on programs and so much time. But this church really got, from John, this calling that we need to be a church of love. This brotherly love in context will help us understand a key point in this letter. The next aspect of significance is that this was a city strategically located on an important trade route. This meant that people from all backgrounds, all cultures, all persuasions, all religions and all viewpoints came through this area. Coming face to face with so many visitors put this church in a unique position kind of like a tourist town up north where people come from all places and all backgrounds and all cultures and all religions and all persuasions. You see, this church in Philadelphia could either keep to themselves judging those who were different from them or they could model Jesus to everyone who came through their community. 
this letter indicates that this church did not fear those who were different from them. And they did not avoid contact with them either. From the context, we can infer that they let their lights shine and became salt and light to all who came through the area. How can we infer this, you might ask? Simple. If you've been paying attention each week as we talk about these different letters to the church, you'll notice that this letter is very different. This is the only church, the only letter in which Jesus does not rebuke them. He does not bring condemnation to this church. He never asks this church in Philadelphia to repent and to come back to Him. Thus, we are given an example of how we are to represent Jesus as His church in this world and in our respective communities. We are to love others with a brotherly love. I hope you saw that earlier today. We are not to fear or unfairly judge or avoid those just because they're different from us. In all ways, we are to extend light and love. We are to extend kindness and compassion. We are to extend grace and truth. We are to extend understanding and forgiveness that we might reflect Jesus into the lives of those who do not know Him yet. And there you have it. This three-letter word has the power to change your whole perspective and your whole approach to evangelism and serving God in this area. Y-E-T. Yet. Say it with me. Yet. Yet. It must become a permanent fixture in our vocabulary in relating to people. What do I mean? Well, consider how you might use it like this. I have not been able to forgive her yet. But by the grace of God, I will. I have not been able to break through the stronghold of temptation yet. But by the power of His blood, I will be victorious. Amen? I have not been able to overcome my fears and my doubts yet. But through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, I shall overcome. Amen? I cannot love my brother or my sister the way that Jesus commands us to yet. But He will one day bring me to the place where I can love freely and unconditionally. Amen? Do you see how this simple change can revolutionize your outlook on life and help you to lead with love no matter who comes across your path or no matter what comes against you? If we are going to be a light in the world and function in our community like the church in Philadelphia, then we must have the yet mentality. We must be out there in the public talking with people, sharing the Gospel, becoming aware of their needs. It's not just about us sharing, it's about us listening. Becoming aware of their needs, 
praying for them, asking them right then and there, can I pray for you? Inviting them to church and being a light of Jesus in this dark world. Revelation 3, verse 8. Jesus continues, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength and have kept My Word and have not denied My name. Jesus had set before this church an open door. But what door is He talking about here? Surely many have given their thoughts on this open door that no one can shut. Some have said that this door is Jesus Himself. Because in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I am the door. But why would Jesus only set that door in front of this church? Jesus is the door to everyone all over the world if they are willing to come to Him and seek Him and call upon His name. What else could this door be? Well, many people believe that Jesus is rewarding this church by giving them a door of blessing. This conclusion leads many to believe that this door is one of favor with the world. So this church does not face the adversity that others face. The temptations that others face. And this church maybe had all their needs met. Yet this too does not make sense. This is the message of the modern church that incorrectly believes that blessings from God usually mean tangible blessings for individuals like an abundance of wealth or perfect health or little adversity. However, if you read the Bible in context and in its entirety as we teach it, if you are led by the discernment of the Holy Spirit instead of the interpretation of man, then you know that God's blessings are not intended to make us comfortable in this world. Folks, this is not our home. We are just passing through. Heaven is our home. So then what kind of open door has God set before this church that has kept His Word and that has not denied His name in front of others? Well, contextually speaking, Jesus has given them the power and the grace to minister before an open door. Hearts will come to them who are open. Many will be confused and looking for answers as they go to these trade routes. Many will be desperate, looking for something that the world cannot offer. Many will come to the city of Philadelphia as an open door looking for something and this church has the answer. Many will have tried everything else. But they have come to realize that nothing fits that God-shaped hole in all of us that only His truth and only His grace can fit and fill. Only Jesus Christ can fill that God-shaped hole in all of us. What other gift or blessing or encouragement would a church need to continue to battle against the forces of evil in a dark world but an open door? of ministry. Thus, this open door was not for themselves to be comfortable. It was for others who came to them or came near them or through the city of Philadelphia or through the village of Roscommon. 
The responsibility then was laid at the feet of this church. They had to receive this key and use it to open hearts that had been locked by sin, by pride, by indifference, by pain and shame, and by wrong teaching. They were given a gift to be shared, to be extended to others as they continued to exemplify this brotherly love. Remember, they kept the Word. They kept His Word in loving others. And they did not deny His name to anyone. They were involved in their community. They shared what God had given them, and so they remained humble. Jesus says, you have a little strength. This means that they weren't parading their own strength. They weren't resting on their own talents or their own power. Their strength came from humility. Their willingness to trust the Lord even and especially when it didn't make sense. That He would provide for them everything they needed. All they had to do was to simply love one another. To keep His Word and not deny His name to anyone. Thus, every time they were blessed, they would share with all that God was faithful. Every time they made it through challenges, they would announce that it was by God's hand and God's power, not by them. Every time they faced the temptation to doubt, to give in to sin, to blame, and to criticize. They held up the name of Jesus and declared that God alone is our strong tower and our fortress. And to Him only we run and cling. There was no magic formula. They didn't have to all go to seminary to do this. They didn't have to all be worship leaders or have fantastic voices or speak. They simply had to love like Jesus loved. There was no magic formula. There was no attempt to draw attention to themselves or to their gifts or to their power. There was simply the fact that they kept His Word and did not deny His name. That's what Jesus calls all of His churches to do. To love one another. To keep His Word and do not deny His name. They were the church that Jesus set up. The body of Christ that lived to extend into the world the faithful remnant that kept their eyes on heaven by becoming Jesus to those around them. Church, this is what God calls all of us to do right here in our community and beyond. He asks us to remain humble. To know that our strength comes from God to keep His Word by first knowing His Word and applying it to our lives, and then finally by never denying His name. We have seen our church grow in the midst of the pandemic. We have seen new people come through these doors. We have seen prayers answered. We have seen people in need and people looking for something that this world cannot offer them. We have this key. It is Jesus, the hope of the world. 
Our job is to be the light of Jesus to the world. Whether it is through blessings or through challenges, God can use us either way. He can bless me and I can give Him the glory, or He can give me a challenge and I can stand on Him by faith and reflect that to the world. We must continue to keep His Word and not deny His name. As we approach the Thanksgiving holiday here in America, let us be reminded that the way we keep His Word and His name in the forefront of all we do is to be thankful that our God is in control. He has given us an open door in this community and beyond to let His light shine through our actions, through our words, through our giving to missions and missionaries, through our prayers, through being a family, supporting one another, and through our compassion. In every conversation you are in, around town, at a restaurant, at a cashier's till, in the grocery store, at the beauticians, at the mechanics, on the phone. Let your words continually be directed back to the Lord in thanksgiving. When the topic of conversation turns to fear and doubt, as almost everyone does nowadays, when it turns to doubt and fear and negativity and despair, remember that you have the key. Use it by saying something like this when the conversation goes, I am so thankful that God is bigger than all of this and that He will see us through. So many people talk about, I wish I could share Jesus. I wish I could witness. It's that easy. He's given us the key. I'm so thankful that God is bigger than this and God will see us through. That's how you walk through the door that God gives you to minister, to share His light and love in this community. And if they argue with you or try to justify their point or try to debate you on this truth, you simply use what I like to call the broken record technique. How many remember record players? Remember that? I've been teaching 30 years. One of my first years of teaching, which is many years ago, I gave a worksheet. This is many years ago. I gave a worksheet to my class, and it, was, it said to circle all the ten things that begin with R. Whole class got nine of them. They said, What's I said, see that black thing? That's a record. Nobody knew what it was. <laughs> Remember when your record kept skipping? kept playing the same thing and over and over. You'd have to stop jumping. You couldn't dance directors back then because they would jump and skip. Well, just like a record that skips and keeps playing the same line over and over and over, you do the same. You don't keep... When someone tries to get into a debate, a debate or an argument with you or saying you don't understand, you don't keep trying to explain it in a different way. You simply say, God is faithful. But, 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 God is faithful. But you don't know, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is always faithful. You know what's going to happen? It's either they're finally going to get it, or they're going to get so annoyed with you, they're going to walk away. And you know that God is faithful. Amen? God is faithful. They will realize that you 
keep His Word and that you will not deny His name. This is how we walk through that open door that He has given us. This is how we rely on His strength and His love and His grace and His will. This is how we make ourselves ready for His return. We shine the light of Jesus all around us and remain visibly thankful that our God is in control and that He is always faithful. In all these letters to the churches in Asia Minor, Christ gives promises of reward. This first reward is something that can be used right now. The way that Christ rewards us rewards us for work well done is He gives us more work to do. But listen, more opportunities to share, more lives to change, more people to point to Christ, more needs to bring before the throne of God in prayer, more time to advance His kingdom in this earth. The church at Philadelphia was faithful to the work of Christ. And their reward was still more work to do for Him. What a blessing to be seen by Jesus Himself as a light for this world. One on which Jesus can depend to keep His Word and to hold His name. Revelation 3.9 Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie, indeed I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. See, God sees all those who are followers of Him in name only. He sees those who are led by their words and by their debates and by their actions, but God knows the condition of their hearts. He knows their inner motivations. God will take care of them. We get too bent out of shape, get caught up in debates. God says, I know them. I'll take care of them. You keep going forward. There's still many people in the darkness right now that need my light. You be that light in the darkness. Our job is to keep our focus. Not get preoccupied by what others are doing. Our job is to keep His Word and to hold His name before us in all we do. Those who persecuted the believers will one day realize that God loves His children and His church. God's church will have victory over its accusers one day, over its persecutors one day. But God would be the one to bring it to pass. Whether it's on this side of heaven or the other side of heaven, God will bring that to pass. For there are many times that God keeps us in the challenge keeps us in the trial, keeps us in the persecution so that we will reach those who are at their greatest depth of darkness. Why does God allow me to go through this? Because there's people in that darkness that God wants you to reach. God takes a Christian, one who's sold out for Him, and allows them to go through challenges and dark times because there's someone way down in that quagmire that needs God and He needs you to go in that place by faith and to share His Word and to be His light to bring that person out. How do you witness to one who orders persecution? How do you witness to one who hurts others and devises evil schemes to destroy others? 
Look at what God did. He sent His apostles and His followers to preach His Word in the face of great persecution. And even while they were being mocked, while they were being imprisoned, while they were being beaten and tortured, and while they were being executed, they continued to keep His Word and never denying His name. Who knows what kind of imprint that leaves on a heart and mind that is bent towards evil and destruction. And yet, they are forgiven by their victim and told that God loves them by their prisoner. Oh, the power of God in times like these. In fact, what kind of imprint does it make on the heart of a frontline worker, a police officer, a doctor, a nurse, a CNA, a social worker who has seen so much pain and agony and death and injustice when a dying patient cries out that they love God or when a family member says, God is always faithful. He will bring us through. This is God's perfect will. It doesn't always make sense to us, but for God's purposes, it makes sense. Romans 8.28, I believe, is one of the most misinterpreted verses in the Bible. It says this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purposes. In this ever quoted but often misinterpreted verse, we see that all things work together for good. But now here's the question. Who's good? Because many people will say, all things, God's working there for my good, but it doesn't make sense. Sometimes we understand it and sometimes we don't. But you know whose good it works together for? is God's good. We have to believe that if we love God and if we respond to the calling in our lives, then He will work things out for His good according to His purpose. See, sometimes people say, God's going to work it together for my good, so it has to work. I have to be delivered from this trial. What if that's not God's will? What if God wants to keep you in that longer so that you can touch someone who's in the darkness that needs your touch? God's will is different than our will, but God's will is perfect and pleasing and good. Sometimes we understand it, sometimes we don't. But we have to believe that if we love God and respond to His calling on our lives, then He will work things out for His good according to His purpose. Our job is simply to trust Him and to love others the way He loves us. To keep His Word and to hold His name before us being thankful in all things that God is in control and that He is always faithful. Indeed, God will see us through it all. Revelation 3.10 Because you have kept My command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Because this church had remained faithful and had persevered through adversity, Jesus promises that He will remain 
faithful to them in the hour of trial. Based on this and other passages, many Bible interpreters conclude that the rapture is an event distinct from the second coming of Christ. The rapture is a major topic of discussion in end time events. There's not enough time to begin it here. We will be bringing our series in Revelation to a close next Sunday with the last letter to the seven churches. Then we're going to begin a series on the preparation for the Advent season as we approach the birth of Christ through God's eyes. In the new year, we will offer an in-depth Bible study and further teaching on the book of Revelation. More information will follow for those who are interested to attend and take part in this interactive study. But for now, suffice to say that Jesus exhorts the church at Philadelphia and all of us to remain faithful because this would lead to His ever-abiding presence and His promise to hold us close to His heart no matter what we go through. Revelation 3.11, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. We are implored to be ready. We do this by staying true to His Word, by holding His name, and by choosing to walk daily in His love, redeeming the time we have. Revelation 3.12, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Your name is redeemed. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, the treasures that await the faithful followers of God, those who have put their trust in Jesus, especially when the world did not make sense, when injustices continued, when confusion was rampant, and when the voices of darkness seemed so much stronger than the voices of light, but by His strength we shall overcome. Let us be cleansed from unrighteousness. Let us be washed with living water by His pure and perfect Word. Let us leave all malice and envy and negativity that seeks to take up residence in our hearts. And let us lead with love, with compassion, with forgiveness, and always being ever thankful that God will see us through. Scott Miller, can you come up? Let us continue to hold on to the truth that God will work out all things together for His good, for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Revelation 3.13 He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let us pray that we become like this church in Philadelphia. Let us take our time of confession and repentance seriously. Let us be willing to come clean with God in our thoughts and in our actions, in our motivations and in our weaknesses. And let us be led by the power of the Holy Spirit to love others with great grace and great compassion. Let us hunger daily for His life-giving Word. 
And may He hold us forever in the palm of His hand.